Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the week of July 6th, 2018. Uh, basically the, the final part of the spring season, and I believe we've even started going into the summer now. I think some summer sh- shows have aired already. Um, I am your host, Dustin, and with me today is Ben. Yo. I haven't watched any and, summer shows yet. Okay. And Larry. Ugga. Uh, As always, you can find show notes at www.projecthari.net or at www.audioentropy.com. And we will begin uh, this sort of uh, final episode of our normal review structure uh, with FLCL Progressive, episodes four through five, um, where I'm starting to have more faith in what they're what what they're doing well episode four worried me uh because because it seemed that it seemed that they had like taken hidomi's agency away yeah that was my initial worry there but yeah but uh episode five came around was very reassuring that no yeah okay she's (laughs) she's she's got it yeah, episode five almost felt like a direct response to the issues I had with the previous episodes, where it felt more focused on her like love interest. Um, it felt like he was getting a lot more screen time. Uh, yeah, because like in episode four, she was kind of out of commission for a while in terms of like her actual self. Um, yeah, but then in episode five, like she was very much a driving the driving force of of the plot line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, also, my future wife got eaten. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. Well, and then she shows up in class and says, "Hi, I'm getting married with this big baby bump." Oh, we know what the baby bump is. <laughs> yeah, after yeah, after consuming her like twin or whatever, I don't yeah, know but, uh, what's well, I going think on this there. Is, like, I she, think. I think this is more like good side and bad side, good and evil. So evil ate the good. Yeah, it, it does seem to be more of a, like, their personalities split into and sort of the impulsive, selfish side became Haru-Haru and the, uh... Logical side. And the, like, the sort of logical side became, like, the rad 80s action hero protagonist. Yes, sir. Jinyu. Yeah, Jinyu. Um... I, I do admit I like the look of Jinyu's, like, cool V-shaped sunglasses on Haruharu, but Haruharu herself has become, like, way more manipulative and evil than she even was. Maybe not necessarily evil, but manipulative and chaotic than she was in the first FLCL. And the funny thing she, is... It's, it's she feels a says... lot more like a malevolent presence here. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. still says she's 16 years old, huh? <laughs> well, to be fair, we don't know if she ages, because she's not, like, a human, probably. She's some sort of weird thing. Um, <laughs> no. like, we, don't, we don't exactly know what Haruharu actually is. <laughs> so, I mean, she could, she could be telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, but... Probably not. Probably no. not. 
or it's no. the truth from a certain point of view, as Obi Wan Kenobi would say. Um, uh, but uh, she left her spaceship parked. Yeah, episode five was also interesting, <laughs> showing Ide trying to confront Haruko and just failing miserably. Yeah, well, Haruko. Well, he, forget, he forgot to start the guitar. You know, like bonus, like points to him for having spunk and like really giving it his best shot. But yeah, he stood no chance against Haruka. Um, I I do super like the action scene between Haruko Haruka and Hidomi though. Yeah, that was a really cool scene where like she, uh, sort of becomes a hybrid, uh, robot person. So, uh, so unlike um, Nauta, who sort of had his robot envelop him, she actually just sort of merges with it. It's interesting. Yeah. I, it's, like, there are a lot of things, like... Yeah, like, what they did with Hidomi in Episode 4 was... it Well, it was problematic, but they redeemed it in Episode 5. And, but... But but I really I but all the other stuff I really liked like like uh, let's see let's see Ico and the and the plant yeah. oh yeah yeah the plant I I am I actually am surprised by how much they used Ico I figured she would just be like a one off kind of person um <laughs> but no like it ends up that like her, the people she knows uh, like are like, actually deep into the plot, and, and they're focused on sort of uh, Medica Mechanica as well. And they have, like, this weird covert setup in their house, and they, like, go through this weird, like, secret links on a website to talk to their contact who's dressed as a dodo. It's very strange and also very good. Yes. Okay, you know, you gotta remember what show we're talking about here, okay? Yeah, it it, yeah. it, it felt a lot like original flavor FLCL at times. Which is good because the other direction was kind of turning me off. <laughs> but uh, there was also Marco. Poor Marco. Oh yeah, that, that guy. Like, first he gets used to create a weird space elevator robot kind of i don't know what the heck that thing was supposed to be and then he finds out that uh you know he has a crush on hidomi but ida ide uh is is an item with her now but he takes it pretty well all things considered dude's got dude's got a good head on his shoulders compared to basically everyone else (laughs) Yeah, um, Mori is just like. <laughs> oh, Mori's the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I'm really excited to see what episode six is because, um, although I had my concerns with episodes one through four, I uh, I think episode five, at least what I'm hoping to do with episode five and six is basically Hidomi fighting a fighting back against the people who victimized her uh specifically haruka um 
but also there does seem to be a like maybe not the main theme but certainly an undercurrent of just because you're a kid not letting people take advantage of you uh, and learning sort of how to stand up for yourself and your autonomy um, yeah I, 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 I don't really have a super solid argument for that yet because we haven't finished it but it's something that sort of taking these five episodes so far into consideration like is definitely something that it felt like it was going for, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I hope they pull it off. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, I'm going to give episode four a four, and episode five a five. I can agree with those scores. Yeah, I could live with that. All right, uh, so we'll finish up that next week. Um, let's move on to Hisone Tomasotan, episodes 11 to 12. Uh, take it away, guys. <clears throat> Well, we left it with uh, Hisome going, um, I can solve all of our problems. Yeah, how's that? I quit. What do you mean you quit? I quit. Uh, yeah. Define quit. Quit! Yeah, oh. so they had to, uh, so they had to, so they had to bring in, uh, the yogurt lady, uh, Sada, to, uh, to, uh, pilot Masotan. But... Who, for some reason, she calls him, uh, Montparnasse. Well, and, that's... uh, the name from previously long ago, but uh, she's got issues too. Right. Yeah, Who because... doesn't have issues in this show. Well, well no. Okay, the, wait a minute. You, we have to again get back to realize who wrote the show and go from there. Yeah. But, yeah. No, but the okay. So the uh, according to the lore, lore, according to the lore, the problem, <clears throat> the problem is, is that at the completion of the ritual. Uh, like the ritual to pacify the dragon, the giant dragon, uh, requires sacrificing the priestess. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and so, and so there was this whole thing about where Sada, where, you know, it turns out Sada was best friends or something more. I with, think uh, something the, more would have been a good word. Yes. Yeah. With the previous, uh. With the with the previous priestess now, uh, uh, let's see. Her her name was Yai, I believe. Oh, okay, Yai. Now, close enough. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, right, and and so they were like, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, they're so they're, like they had plans, like, yeah, let's run away and forget the ritual, but turned out they couldn't do that, and Yai ended up being sacrificed. And, uh, you know, Sada ended up heartbroken. And... <clears throat> All that good stuff. Yeah. F- film at but, 11. Yeah. And so, you know, and so it turned out that, you know, so you had, uh, so you had Sada, you know, basically riding in, riding in, riding Masotan, uh, to, you know, to lead the dragon. Uh, but... <laughs> After a certain point, uh, Mazatan just wasn't having it, and so then Mazatan went off to find, went off to get, uh, went off to get Hisone, thus bringing Hisone back into the story. In a uniquely complex Okada manner. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was yeah they. <laughs> Yeah, there, there was this thing where she actually, like, uh, you know, she, like, drives a scooter off of a bridge 
drives a scooter off of a bridge and gets caught by Masatan in mid-flight. Yep. Snatch and uh, grab with a yum, yum, yum. Yeah. But then... Yeah. Right. So then, you know, so in episode 12, okay, they've got the dragon where it's supposed to be, uh, and they, but they, you know, they still need to do the ritual. Uh, and uh, Hisone finds the idea of sacrificing a priestess to be unacceptable. And after a whole lot of back and forth, a whole lot of back and forth, she ends up being the one who, she ends up being the one who, uh, who puts is left the dragon behind. to sleep. Yeah, well, she, yeah. she puts the dragon to sleep, but she doesn't get left behind. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, so where it turns out, where what happens is, like, after, after they put the dragon to sleep, uh, after they put the dragon to sleep, you know, the dragon, like, turns into a mountain or something. And whoever was there, whoever was there at the last step, at the last, you know, at the, like, the final stage is basically stuck inside this giant dragon mountain with no way to get out. Except that, (laughs) except that Hisane had Masotan with her. So, you know, she's not just some, she's not just some helpless priestess because she's got a dragon. Yeah, that's. That's the point. She's got a dragon. Oh my! Yeah. This. Not quite sure how to how to rate these last two episodes. Well, okay, let's get down to the to the last scene because the last scene is important. Where everybody everybody's and they're going. It's been three months. She hasn't shown up. She'll say she comes back alive. Where is she? Well, by George, she does show up alive. Yeah. But it but it takes some outside help for Masatan to find his way out of the mountain. You wanna you wanna tell him or you want me to? Well, well, what happens is that uh, you know they have like Okanogi is like Okanogi is like you know going going around the going around the Dragon Mountain, and then. Masotan pops up and swallows him. Well, but oh, you, have nice. to rem- you have to remember something. What is in his backpack? Oh yeah, a whole pile Flips, of fl- a flip whole cell pile phone. Of phones. <laughs> how how do you how do you conjure the how do you conjure the uh, dragon out of the mountain? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wave his favorite food under his nose, and by George, he comes roaring out of the mountain every time. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, this was a pretty fun bunch of episodes, and a pretty fun series overall. It, fun? Okay, yeah, I could kind of sort of get your definition of fun there, maybe, sort of, kind of. I mean, I enjoyed you it. You seem I, less enthused about these episodes, Larry. Um... Uh, <laughs> Well, when we figured out that there was going to be a sacrifice, knowing the creative writing team that was behind this um, uh, uh, show, I figured, yeah, fine. Get rid of the boyfriend-girlfriend problem. You just have the dragon eater, and they end up <laughs> flying off of Masatan happily thereafter. It didn't work out that way. Which is okay. I, I mean, I don't mind it 
not working out that way, but choo 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 choke 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 choke. I thought this part I thought that part was fine. That was uh, uh, Oh, it was it was probably okay. But I think Did it just not feel like it had much of an impact? Well, I think what it felt like is is somebody was uh grasping for straws at the end and uh this is what we ended up with and that there might have been an original well let's let her no maybe we better not let her eat him well i don't should he yeah I, hmm ah. so yeah that, that's just where I, I mean it was an interesting ending and there's supposed to be an ova so the ova i want to wait and see what that's going to be like oh I suspect that's just going to be a like a comedy one-off. Oh yeah, like they usually are. Yeah. Well, it, it, with OVAs anymore, you never know. <clears throat> yeah, they're usually these days. They're usually side stories. Uh. Yeah. But then again, you know, again, the creative team that was behind this—you never know what they what they're thinking. Uh. Anyway, I give them both. I give them both fours. Yeah, I'll give them. I'll give them fours. And the series as a whole, I'll give it four. Yeah, that works for me. All right. Uh, so we... let's uh, let's go on to uh, Sword Art Online episodes eleven through twelve. <laughs> yeah. So another Pico. show I did not watch. It was Pete Pico. Okay, I, I have to get kudos to Pico's voice actress for pulling off what had to be a hilarious stunt inside studio, but oh. <clears throat> my yeah. my. <laughs> yeah, 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 it gives it's, <laughs> gives new meaning to the term chewing the scenery. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, that's, that's, that's that's a set of words that I was trying to figure out how to use, and you've, you've managed to, uh, yes, accommodate them nicely. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's more like, uh, let's see, rampaging through the scenery with a lightsaber. <laughs> well, and then, you know, let's get down to the brass tacks. At uh, the end, Yes. Pito shoots off her arms and legs, and she ends up killing her by biting her jugular. <laughs> and, what? And it's, yeah. you got it. And instead of they being declared the winner, that obscure team from out of nowhere comes over the hill and in a hail of ammunition guns them all down, and they're declared the winners. Yeah. Right. Well. Well, that was actually that was set up because it, it had said like. There was this other team. Often, there was this other team. You know, in another part of the map. Uh, yeah, but they, you, you know, couldn't they couldn't wait the two minutes? You know, for arms and legs to grow back. You know, so they could have a decent fight. No, they just sneak well, up. Why like would a, they? Well, <laughs> yeah. hey, come on. There's there's is a sense of fair play in some anime. <laughs> not in right. video games. No. I, yeah, tell me about it. Never mind. We're not going to go there. Uh, Okay, but it, you, you you understand what I'm blathering about? Yeah, except that, except that uh, you know, when it came to, like, 
Yeah, except that when it came to the confrontation between, like, Len and Pito, that, you know, like, once they decided, like, who was, you know, you know, who was the, who was the, who was, like, who was the winner between them, like, who actually won Squad Jam was pretty much irrelevant. Uh. I know, but it, that was, it, it just was an interesting way to uh, end it. I mean, the crowd was booing in the background when they announced the winner, so I, I felt a little bit of uh, vindication that my thought process was probably in the right place. Yeah, right. Because like this team, the like the team that won was basically lurking. Were they were basically lurking and waiting for everybody else to everybody else to use up all their juice fighting each other. Yeah, you know, which is okay. <laughs> I mean, that that's believe it or not, that's allowable in combat but you know it's like still come on guys you right know, i was I, I was ready to i was ready to see you know everybody square off and have the great battle royal not them just walk over the top of the hill and go brat you're all dead thank well shoot the incapacitated yeah yeah it's the, <coughs> yeah I'm sure, but i'm sure it's been done before blah 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 right but yeah, and so yeah, so episode eleven was mostly you know like more more fighting, and ep- the fighting con- concluded in like pretty much the first half of episode twelve. Mm-hmm. But then, the, but then the end of episode twelve, uh, when the bet when yeah, so the the yeah the end of episode twelve was actually really sold really really sold this show for me in a in a big way because it had. Because that was when, uh, you know, Karen goes to meet Pito in real life. And, yeah, surprise, surprise, turns out, it's, turns out it's the idol. And, yeah, which we all knew was what was going to happen. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, but but, but was, what was great about it was the, way that, was the way that Karen figured out that the idol was the, actually the real Pito. Yeah, uh, because Pito, of course, threw up as many roadblocks as she thought she could get away with trying to throw Karen off the scent, but uh, Karen saw right straight through it. Yay, Karen. <laughs> yeah, that was smart. And yeah, it turned out that... Uh, yeah, it turns out that uh, like that M uh, stands for masochist. Yeah. Yeah, M goes through his relationship with uh, Pito, and it's like, yeah, I could see where that could have, yeah, I, yeah, that I, I could see where that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, basically, where yeah, yeah, he explains that like he started out stalking her, started out started out as a stalker, got caught, and basically enslaved, and it turned out he really liked being enslaved. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, really loved it. Yeah, like I said, you know, I, the the gun battle was bad enough, and then that episode was like, oh my. Well, okay, she's got her friend with her, uh, who came over from Fairyland with her to uh, join this game, and uh, something kind of interesting happened in the last few frames of the uh, show. Because they were talking, and all of a sudden, Pito goes, well, I got a surprise for you. Yeah, what's that? And she reaches over and plants one very romantic kiss on Karen, which sends her roommate through the roof. 
and probably half the audience along with it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. <laughs> I, I like that bit. A surprise. Yes, it was. B out of nowhere. Yeah, it was. And uh, had the desired effect. Yeah, I think it did. Uh. So uh, I will give these episodes uh, fours and the uh, the action scenes five. The rest of the show a four. Okay. I anyway, I'm going to give these episodes fours. I'm going to give the show a whole uh, on the show on the whole a four. So uh, I guess that makes it the best Sao so far. <laughs> Yes, yes, Yeah, because Kirito wasn't in it. <laughs> yeah. All uh, right. It wasn't just that. It was... Yeah, it was also... Instead of Kirito, they actually had a... They actually had an actually appealing main character. Yep. And for what looks like the voice actress's first uh, major role, I think she pulled it off quite nicely. All right, well, that's good to hear. Um, Let's talk about Full Metal Panic, episodes 9 through 10. We got some uh, Tessa-focused episodes this time. Oh, yes. Tessa's... (laughs) Tessa's Tessa's really turning into best girl for me. Yeah, I have to admit, like, I was never really a Tessa fan. I was more on the side of cheatery, more by... Not necessarily because I had strong feelings for cheatery, but more by default. Because <laughs> I I didn't really care that much for Tessa. Uh, but she's been super good in Invisible Victory. Uh, I can't remember how she was in Second Raid. I think, like, she was better than she was in the first Full Metal Panic series. Uh, um, but I've really been enjoying just how hardcore she is <laughs> in IV. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I, I, I like that she and uh, Klaus and, oh, what's her name? My actual favorite female character. The one with the black hair. Melissa. Melissa, yeah. Uh, like, sort of, like, go through this elaborate setup where they pretend to be, like, Tessa pretends to be a hospital patient and they pretend to, like, be working at that hospital in order to lure this one douchebag into their trap. <laughs> well, didn't necessarily, it didn't necessarily have to be that one douchebag. Oh, yeah. They were just trying to find out, basically lure their enemy out into the open, basically. Yeah, they, they were using Tessa... They were using Tessa as bait to get Amalgam to uh, make a move so then they could uh, try and capture... Uh, yeah, and also have a more clear target. Yeah. And it was a pretty smart plan, and it yeah. almost worked. Yeah, it fails, but like it's it's not a complete failure. They they still have more information than they did before, and the doctor didn't die, so that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. 
Sure, a warehouse gets destroyed, but, you know, you can replace warehouses. Yep. Uh, I also really enjoyed the action scene, um, and I super enjoyed Tessa's phone call to the Amalgam guy later, where (laughs) she calls him, I believe, a pompous piece of shit. Yep. (laughs) Which is fantastic. Well, yeah, and she actually, yeah, she actually, uh, yeah, she actually meant that for her brother, which is even better. But yeah, so that episode was really good. Um, I like the, I did like the brief scene we got with Chittery, uh, with her sort of, you know, trying to, uh, like, be a good captive in order to give Sosuke enough time and, well, Mithril enough time to sort of, like, get things together and rescue her. Um. Yeah, well, and also maybe, also maybe getting some information of her own. Yeah. Um. I also really enjoyed uh, Sosuke sort of having to survive being attacked while recovering from his horrific injury (laughs) yeah okay so that that i think that uh partially redeems your complaint about episode eight where it's like Uh, not entirely but i i do appreciate that he wasn't just like getting up and walking around again like immediately yeah he was like basically two months uh (laughs) yeah basically two months out of action (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he had to, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I really liked how he, yeah, he improvised a, uh, he improvised, uh, he weaponized his oxygen tank. Yeah, basically intentionally, uh, yeah, basically used the, uh, gunfire against his enemies to, like, help make them trigger an oxygen explosion. I'm not sure if that would actually work, but it's plausible enough for an anime about giant robots. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also don't... I, I don't tend to enjoy kind of like these like gruff military uh, commander stereotypes, but I did enjoy like the the dude that, he, that Sosuke and Lemon meet at like the training camp. Um, yeah. Who curses in English says says the f word a lot, which is uh, censored by the show. <laughs> which was kind of amusing. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of panty and stalking humor, in a way. Uh-huh. Let those those slightly less sex jokes. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good scene of really needed levity, because there's been a lot of, uh, heavy stuff happening lately. Yeah. Uh. Right. But yeah, I've, like, I honestly, I was a pretty big fan of both of these episodes. Like, the, like, they were paced really well, there was a good mixture of, there was a good balance of checking in on everyone important, um, everyone got some good character moments and also 
good setup for their future arcs. So yeah. I was honestly pretty impressed by episodes 9 and 10. And the big reveal at the end of episode 10. It turns out that Kalinin, who we thought had been killed in the uh, attack on Myth- on the Mithril base, turns out that Kalinin has gone over to the bad guys. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give these episodes fives. I don't really have much else to say about them, honestly. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah, they're just really solid episodes. Um, My Hero Academy, episodes 50 through 51. I super love ep- episode 50 a whole lot. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, that was, uh... <clears throat> right, we're, yeah, dealing with, it's like, you know, they, they're dealing with the fallout from, you know, from uh, from All Might being, well, basically out of action forever. Yeah, yeah, and like, meeting meeting everyone's parents is, is pretty fun. I, you know, really liked... Bakugo's mom is, of course, kind of the standout of the yeah. new parents. Um, she looks exactly like Bakugo. Uh, and you can tell uh, where he gets his personality from. Yeah. Uh, but the the really the the real highlight for me, and I think for most of the fans of this show that I know, was um, the when uh, All Might goes to Midoriya's house. Yep. Uh, and, and and specifically uh, Inko's. I believe is her name. Yeah. Uh, uh, Inko's speech to All Might, uh, in that like she doesn't feel comfortable with how My Hero Cat like a uh, the UA is handling things and doesn't necessarily trust that her son will stay safe, especially given that they've kind of like let him pass on the like extremely risky stuff he's been doing that he really shouldn't be. Um. And the great part about this is, and I think, like, I want to say Fabulous Blue pointed this out as well, is that in a lot of these kinds of shows, you know, the the mother's concerns would kind of be, like, hand-waved away as, like, oh, you know, you know, women are constantly worrying, which is 100% what happens in, for example, Dragon Ball Z, uh, when Chi-Chi nags Goku about Gohan training. Um, it's treated as, like, oh, Chi-Chi always nagging. <laughs> She doesn't know. Uh, in My Hero Academy, like, Inko is treated as having, like, super legitimate concerns. Um, and and Midoriya even, like, there's, there's a point where you think that Midoriya is going to be super upset and, like, get mad at his mother. But then, because it's, again, it's playing on those expectations from shonen shows we've seen before. But then when he comes back out, he's like, it's fine. I've got a list of other academies I can go to. I can still be a hero. I don't need UA if it means that it going to UA means that you will constantly be worried about my safety. And it was really a kind of that whole segment was just a really beautiful scene. Uh, and I couldn't be happier with the way it played out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, it also had, 
what was also great about it was was how All Might responded to yeah to Inko's perfectly legitimate concerns, where he he really you know he really poured his heart out. Yeah, All, All Might humbles himself like completely, and you know asks for forgiveness, and basically lays lays his own heart out on the table and go and says like, look, you know this this isn't about you know trying to sell ua to you this isn't uh this isn't about my pride or anything like that he just really really wants to train midoriya because he has like at this point basically a paternal attachment to him um and like wants to like wants to see midoriya succeed and desperately wants to be the person who uh, helps Midoriya become the hero he's meant to be. Um, yes. Yeah, it, it's just really, it's really fantastic. Yep. And the rest of them are walking around apologizing. Okay, yeah. The uh, principal's reaction to everything is like, you know, we didn't do this right. Uh, we need to do a lot better, like, now. So, yeah, I... Uh, Another thing I appreciate is like when they sort of all when the teachers regroup and they're like, you know, that went better than expected, but also we still need to do better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we stank, but we didn't stink too bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, episode fifty was very very good. Uh, one of the best ones they've had they've had so far. Um, yeah, yeah, and well, yeah, episode fifty one was you know mostly a kind of mostly a light a lighter breather episode yeah like uh, it, a it's, it's a it's a shame that there was that Minetta existed in this episode and got so much time a- as he did because i really really loved the concept of sort of seeing how all the kids decorate their dorm rooms um, it was like, uh, if it weren't for Mineta, this would have been like a basically perfect filler episode. Um, well, sort of like the platonic ideal of what a, you know, filler episode should be. Uh, thing but is, then Mineta had to kind of like infect it. Uh, the thing is, is it, it's not actually filler. That was, uh, that, that bit was in the original manga. Oh, so, I mean, regardless of whether or not it was in the manga or not, like, uh, I I consider filler to be like something that doesn't necessarily advance the actual like the sort of overarching plot line, but you know isn't when I say filler, I it's not necessarily it's not inherently a bad thing. Um, filler can be fun and filler can be uh, useful in terms of like character development, but sorry that that's what I mean. Um, yeah, when I uh, say filler. Well, and yeah, there was actually, and there actually was character development in the uh, in the latter half of the episode when. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. When when it when they had that, you know, that conversation between uh, between uh, Tsuyu and uh, and all the and all the the people who went to rescue Bakugo. Yeah, basically the the primary cast. <laughs> yeah. But, well, but yeah, I, I I did really like the discussion they had with Sue, um, and them going like, yeah, no, 
I, we get it. You like you had a point, and we like we kind of screwed up too. We did some things we shouldn't, and you were right to call us out. Well, and the other thing is, she thought that by calling them out, that she had isolated herself from the group. Yeah, it's yeah. It you was know. it was a really good scene. Um, yeah, you're not and, gonna and talk. I and I. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you first. All right, and and I did like also, and I did despite Minetta, I did enjoy the majority uh, of the episode, um, seeing everybody's dorm rooms and people's reactions, uh, and seeing the one guy who like just baked some cakes get get the uh, <laughs> win the contest because he made cakes. And, <laughs> and, and you know. Why shouldn't we be amazed that Earphone Daddy is Mr. Mike? I also really enjoyed Tsukuyomi. Um, I believe is the bird guy's name. Tokuyami. Toku, Tokuyami. Yeah. I really enjoyed him being extremely embarrassed by his very, like, gothy room. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, you are what you eat and you live what you do. So it's like, you know, yeah. eh, deal with it. Well, uh, yeah. And, with... It, well, that's an embarrassing age, too. I mean, you know, yeah. it's. So think about that. The guy, the guy, yeah, the guy who made the cakes, uh, his name is Sato, which is actually significant. Uh, because, I can't remember what his quirk is. Uh, his quirk is he gets, uh, he gets strength from eating sugar. Uh, oh right, okay. And yeah. uh, and so his name is his name is actually relevant because Sato is the word for sugar. <laughs> Gee, uh, how sweet! Good it old is. Dragon Ball naming schemes. Well, uh... yeah, they, they, they they're pr- <laughs> actually their names are their names uh, like the names of the characters tend to be on point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, uh, you know, like, you know, Ashido, for instance, you know, that's like, that's how, you know, Japanese people pronounce acid. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Oh, all those little nuances for not being a native speaker. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed what I watched Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Midori tries to well he can't fill All Might's shoes because he's not All Might's personality yes he's got his quirk but you know okay Yeah. he needs needs to become his own person yeah he's going to be you know he's he's gonna be a different kind of hero than All Might was, and that's all to the good. Well, if you uh, say so, because I'm I'm all I'm all for this at the moment. I mean, uh, there was a, there was enough this week to go. Yeah, okay, this this has still got promise. So anyway, anyway, uh, I'm gonna give episode fifty a five and episode fifty one a four. Yep, I completely agree. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you on this one. 
Although, uh, yeah, that, that audio room was something else. See, see, Aaron's not here, so I got to carry on the conversation. Oh for yeah, a he- headphone jack was yeah. <laughs> had a very good room. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and realizing her daddy's Mister Mike. Yeah, okay. That's not no. He's he's not. What well, was not that? actually? That's not present Mike. Uh, he's it actually sure looked like it. Uh, no, he's a little. Yeah, he, Ben's right. Is not present Mike. Uh, okay. Also, also fun fact. Uh, the, uh, yeah, Jiro's dad, uh, re- uh, referenced Brian the Sun. Uh, that was is... one I did not get. <laughs> okay, Brian the Sun was the band that, uh, they did the ending theme to the first season of the show. Oh, okay. Alright. Another one of those little-known <laughs> obscure facts. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but they're, you know, pretty... Pretty, uh, pretty successful J-Rock band. Okay. So, they're, they're actually a real band. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. Alright, uh, Loop on the Third, Part 5, Episode 13. <laughs> oh, I love this episode. Yeah, this was really good. I was not actually expecting them to go back to the Hacker Girl, but I'm glad they did. Um, because, like, this was, this was super good, um, uh, it was, like, I, I really like, um, the hacker girl kind of being a, like, super out of place at a traditional all-girls school, where they're doing, you know, the typical, like, shoujo stuff, like, super girly interests, and she's like, oh yeah, I... I just hacked the security system, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna go now." <laughs> and like yes. the only and the only friend she can make is the person who like kill like shoots crows out of the sky with a bow. Yeah, because <laughs> they're both weird as hell. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, and then terrorists, and then. You know, and yeah, so while, like, Luponing, while, you know, while Lupin and his crew are, you know, plotting to, you know, plotting to steal her necklace, you know, steal the, uh, the bow girl's necklace, uh, yeah. terrorists invade the school. Yeah, because, of course. Um, but it's fine, because Fujiko, because Fujiko Mine is already there, described, uh, like, in, uh, disguised as the bustiest, te- uh, bustiest teacher in the universe. <laughs> Um, okay, so we got it. That she, was a surprise. Yeah, she actually, uh, I actually really like what Fujiko does in this episode where she convinces, um, Hacker Girl to, like, work with her and then, um, it doesn't directly use her seduction to win. Like, it's more of a distraction so they don't notice her, so they don't notice the fact that she is. Um, placing a hand on every one of them. And in fact, I actually didn't realize that she did it until it's revealed what her plan actually was. Where, like, she was just doing that so she could get glow-in-the-dark paint on them, so she'd be able to see shoot them while uh, the lights were off. Yeah. That was, like, I, that was clever. Yeah, I really like it when uh, 
the script writer for this show lets Fujiko Mine be smart. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Unlike the previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, the day Castor is a dummy. Yeah, it's just, yeah her, her part in like the sort of car jacking episode wasn't too great. Um, but she's really good here. In fact, everybody is like really good in this episode. This is one of my favorites so far, actually. Yeah, and and the thing about this is that is that this whole de- this whole thing with the terrorists, you know, you know, is actually just setting up for uh, what's uh, for the, like uh, for the big thing for the big thing, which is uh, the uh, the Bow Girls' home country. Yeah, and there's a there's like a a whole big there's a, something going on there, and it'll be really yeah. interesting to find out what it is. Yeah, I I really like how they're using all these characters. Um, I you know I I think I think the hacker girl outside of some uh, unfortunate character backstory was. Like a really a really good addition and a fun character in her own right, um, uh, and was good to have her, especially since there are already so few like major female characters in Lupin. Um, so it's good to have like another girl for Fujiko Mine to play off of. Um, yeah, and it it kind of brought out the the best of all the characters so far. Um, I'm really looking forward to how this concludes. Uh, yeah, you, you, uh, well, actually, part four had some good, uh, yeah, part four had another good female character, the, the previous oh, season. Oh, yeah, you mentioned her, uh, uh, yeah. I think we were talking about the first arc of part five. I, uh, I need to go back and watch part four. Yeah, yeah, part four had, uh, part four had Rebecca, who was, uh, a really good, a really fun character in her own right. Uh, she got a lot of, uh, yeah, she got a lot of, she had a, she had a, she had a lot of screen time in the, the previous season. I think, it, I think it's like part three the, is the one that you can safely skip, right? Uh, yeah, that's what the, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, that's where Lupin's got the pink jacket. Okay. So you can you can see the thing. See, right. Thing about Lupin is that they uh, is that you can tell you can tell the seasons by how like by the color of Lupin's jacket. So like, so like I I think we've gone over this before, and the pink jacket is the one that's generally regarded as not very good. Yes. Uh, yeah. But now he's got a blue jacket, and it's all dandy. Nice. All right. So, um. Yeah, I'll give this episode a five, like, pretty uh, easily. Yes, five. All right, uh, Steins Gate Zero, episodes 12 through 13. Man. <sighs> Steins Gate. You just I'm, said the magic word. I'm sort of getting to the point where I kind of just want to wait for Steins Gate Zero to, for all the episodes to come out, and then maybe I'll, like, kind of skip around because i just don't care for a a lot of the stuff that they're spending time on um 
don't know, like part episode episode uh, twelve was fine, um, but man, like episode thirteen, especially the way it started, was just really irritating with like uh, Kagari San like Kagari basically like uh regressing to childhood is pretty much yeah basically becoming a a baby in but like as an adult and the and like the and the writing making it super blatant that this is supposed to be erotic in some way uh which, if you didn't like, if you didn't get that from the f- framing already, then you definitely get it from Daru's reaction. Yeah, uh, Daru pretty much flags the yeah. Yeah, and the fact that like she asks uh, Mayuri to feed her a banana, which sure, mom, whatever you say. God, I just yeah, that part was dumb. Uh. You know, and, yeah, I mean, like, some of the intrigue is kind of interesting. I mean, but there's so little of it. Yeah, and and there's just not enough interesting character stuff to really, like, support it. Like, I don't, like, Kakari isn't an interesting character. Like, she, uh, again, I'm going to reference Fathomless Blue, but it's because I 100% agree with his tweets about the most recent episodes, and that, like, one of the things that made Steins Gate, the original series, like, really special, and what I sort of fell in love with it about it, was um, how, like, Okarine interacted with Karisu. Like, those two were, like, the other characters were good, but those two were the driving force. Um, and Karisu was, was especially important because she was kind of the level-headed one. She was the one who would push back against Okarine, like he he was he was like she was kind of like obviously there was the main conflict with CERN but then there was like a secondary conflict with Okarine and Karisu butting heads at the same time that they're sort of learning to appreciate each other and fall in love with each other while at the same time like you know having their own personalities and like not you know letting each other get away with things that they shouldn't um in Steinsgate Zero you just don't have that like you occasionally have people like getting frustrated with ocarine but ultimately ocarine's interaction with the cast is like being mopey and the rest of the cast being like all right gonna let ocarine do what he does and Um, like given and give and like that could be okay if the show was at all interested in sort of exploring a more realistic approach to how someone deals with grief, but it, it was never particularly interested in that. It was just using that as a kind of, like, catalyst to get Ocarine to become obsessed with a cell phone version of Kirisu. Uh, yeah, and now, they, and now they... even she's not even plot-relevant, and even the cell phone didn't really have the, the same interplay with Ocarine as the original version did. Yeah. And the other, I think like they had like, because with Majo, like, or Maho, Maho, like Maho was a good character. And, you know, 
you know, Caruso in the form of Amadeus, good character. A lot yeah. of potential there, but they, like, woefully underutilized it, at least yeah. so far. Yeah, like, I, I actually agree that Maho was a, a very solid addition, and, and it, at least at first it she seemed like she was going to fill kind of the, the role that Carisu did in in sort of having a person who would push back against Okarine and give him someone to play off of that didn't just, like, bend over backwards to appease him. But they just kind of, especially now, like, she's super underutilized. Um, and there's just not any interesting character dynamics anymore. It's just sort of people, like, hanging around with each other, waiting for plot stuff to happen. Um, and Kagari is just not, she's barely a character. Um, and Okarine himself is even barely a character at this point. Um, it's really disappointing considering how much I loved the original Steinsgate, despite its pretty obvious flaws. Uh-huh. Yeah, anyway, I'm gonna give episode 12 a 3, and episode 13 a 2. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with those ratings. Um, I do like Mayuri's haircut, though. I'm with your numbers. I'm with your numbers, and uh, the only thing I have to add is Kagari's. I still have a theory on Kagari's uh, heritage to parents that she doesn't know, but uh, that could be wrong. I still think. Carisu, oh yeah. I still think Carisu's her mother. Yeah, uh, we, we should we should lay our cards on the table. So Larry Larry is of the, of the opinion that Kagari's mother is like Karisu. I am of the opinion that Kagari is a clone of Karisu uh, that was created in order to uh, basically copy uh, the Amadeus program of Karisu's mind onto her to basically recreate Karisu. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, okay. That, that's, got, that's, that's got <laughs> some plausibility. Okay, you bet, yeah, the, being the daughter is flat out impossible. Because, Why? uh, the timeline is wrong. Yeah, yeah, well, but, the I, time I think, li- but the timeline that they came from... No, yeah, because... I, I, I because, think Larry's, I think Larry's idea is possibly that she is not native to that timeline, but rather, like, they stole her from a different timeline. Now, well, that... she, came, she came from World War Three timeline, right? So that no. means Carice... Well, the, the no. World War Three timeline is this timeline, essentially. Yeah, so, okay, so... so where okay. Carice, you let me Let me lay it out here. Alright, like, the timeline for this... The timeline for this season... The main timeline for this season is the Beta timeline in which Carisu is dead. Uh-huh. And, and World War and her, happens. Like, right. And, and World War Three is going to happen. World War Three is going to happen in the future. Uh, how? Okay. So now, any the only timeline in which, uh, well, anyway, so the timeline in which uh, Okarine and Karisu could potentially have a child is the Alpha timeline, in which yeah. Karisu is alive, and CERN takes over the world. Um, now it's it, it's possible that if she is uh, Karisu's child that somehow 
like the villains found a way to kidnap basically like kidnap a person from the alpha timeline to bring them into the beta timeline so wait um, a minute so where did the time machine and the well the, the time Dar- machine that we see was built in the beta timeline not the alpha not no. the alpha no, they don't, and I, I don't believe they even end up building a, like, actual physical time machine in the Alpha timeline. They just use the, um, they just use the phones to transmit their consciousnesses. Okay, because see, my, my thought was that the time machine came from the same timeline where, okay, never mind. Right. We'll, we'll fa- so, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll tell us about it eventually, or maybe not. Yeah. Anyway, it. You know, I mean, I'm still interested to see where this story goes, but I wish it would get there more quickly. Yeah, that's like at this the point, ma- that's per- been the major complaint from everybody that I have talked to is like. Yo, come on. You want to take all 23 episodes to tell us 12 episodes worth of stuff? Come on. Yeah, yeah. it's a shame, because, like, it, original flavor Steinsgate, the the time travel mystery was certainly a big draw, uh, but also, like, you had plenty of, like, good character interaction to tie you over when they weren't, when they were kind of doling out the plot details slowly. Whereas here, like, the character stuff just isn't nearly as strong, so kind of the only kind of the only draw is the plot line and when that's being doled out at a snail's pace it's just really frustrating so i'm probably gonna just stop watching it weekly and kind of just catch up when i see things happening yeah or marathon the last half <laughs> yeah yeah just wait until someone's like, oh, like read plot plot synopsis until things start kicking off, then actually start watching it. But yeah, oh well. Oh, totally, anyway. <clears throat> totally hum. Yeah, uh, Megalo Box episodes twelve and thirteen, uh, the finale of this show. Uh, it's pretty decent. Um, yeah, I mean, the, like I like the way that I like the I like the way the story wrapped up. Uh, the boxing match wasn't excite wasn't as exciting as it could have been. Yeah, um, I've kind of come to expect that from Megalobox these days. Like, it's weird because at a certain point, the boxing became really boring, but the character develop, but like the actual like character story became the thing that was the best thing about it. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really liked all the character stuff in episode 12 and i especially like the epilogue honestly of uh, episode 13 like it was a really really good epilogue yeah we're like yeah yeah what was what was, what was like what was great you had like yuri yuri decides yuri decides to take off his gear and actually surgically remove his gear which had been implanted into his body yeah, it's interesting because like Yuri almost turns from a sort of like uh, sympathetic antagonist into just straight up like a second protagonist. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's the best way to do a, a a sports rival. That's yeah, yeah. 
like Yuri, like Yuri really shows himself to be a like super good dude. Um, yeah. in episodes 12 and 13. And I, I really love the scene actually in 13 where he's sitting like in a, in a wheelchair at the beach, like playing with the dog. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. And what I also liked, what I also liked about these episodes was Yuki, was Yukiko. Oh yeah. Where she has the meeting with, um, like she's trying to turn, turned the gear into like her sort of next like breakout business thing to expand like her company and which was i think the always the point always always the point in the first place because clearly clearly yuri's gear like okay you can't make a billion you can't make a billion dollar business out of just fighting promoting megaloboxing the whole yeah. point was that yuri's gear was a way of gathering data uh for the development of like like the the development of the real product which would which would have like lots of uses you know both like you know medical and military yeah and I do like that when she's talking with the um, sort of defense contractors, and she and they're like, "Okay, well, couldn't would it just be easier to you know and more cost efficient to just put the weapon on the gear?" And she's like, "Well, yes, but that's not the point. I don't want the gear itself to be the weapon. I want it to be a tool." Um, and just like really kind of. Uh, digging her heels in on that point. It's like, like, look, you know, if you want this, I'll sell it to you, but I'm not going to stick weapons on it. It's just going to be, and it's just going to be an exoskeleton. It's not going to be anything else. <clears throat> mm hmm. Yeah. But what was also interesting was, uh, was her. Her kind of uh, her her relationship with Yuri and her yeah her relationship with Yuri I think was really uh, was was really interesting. Yeah, I I really like their dynamic. I I really like all the uh, how all the major characters in this show kind of uh, related to each other. Um, and it ended up kind of being, uh, like kind of understanding each other in the end and not, and not necessarily being friends, but also like not being enemies. Um, yeah. though you could probably argue that at this point, Yuri is essentially, uh, Joe's friend. Right. Well, yeah, because like, maybe not a traditional friendship, but they definitely have fond feelings for each other. Right, because all the all that either of them wanted was to have a good, honest boxing match. Yeah. But yeah, I, this this show was pretty fun. Like, it was it it had its ups and downs, um, but overall, uh, it was a really sh solid like sports show with uh, like really good cast of characters. Um, really beautiful to watch at times. So. I, I'm definitely glad I watched this. Um, 
I I think I'll give episodes twelve and thirteen both fives. I'll give the series as a whole a four. I think. Uh, well, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna give the episodes fives. I'm gonna give the series as a whole a a low five. Yeah, sort of on that edge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was it was definitely definitely worth watching, even if you're not even necessarily a sports fan, as I am not. Um, I still had a lot of fun with it. Um, all right, uh, so that'll do it for the reviews for this week. Um, so that'll kind of mark um, the at least final episode for now of our tra- the traditional review structure we've been going with. Uh, we'll be. Uh, Till we figure out exactly what we're going to do, we're going to fill the gap by uh, recording an episode of um, uh, where we talk about the rest of uh, Fate Extra Last Encore, uh, since that the entirety of that is finally out on Netflix. Uh, so we'll talk about that, including the last three episodes, uh, as well as the first Heaven's Feel movie. Uh, and finishing up fully coolly. Yep. So that that is our current plan for two weeks from now. Uh, maybe we'll do something else. Who knows? Probably not. Kind of want to keep it light for so, <laughs> the yeah, next episode. But subject to change without notice, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So that'll be our plans for now, and we'll figure the rest out as we go. So if you're reading the website, there'll be a post. If not, yeah, you can find yeah. out. But yeah, at the very least, by the time this episode goes up, there will definitely be a post um, to uh, submit your thoughts on what you'd like to uh, see us focus on. Um, you know, I'd like to get a, a decent variety of suggestions so I kind of know what people would like to see us uh, do and talk about. Um because we certainly have our own ideas, but uh, we also want to know what our audience would like to uh, would like to hear from us as well. Um, what what niche they think we could fill. Uh, so yeah, definitely definitely let us know uh, what you what you'd like to see us do. Um, and I believe that will be it. Um, mm-hmm. You can of course uh, leave comments uh, or questions at our blog at www.projecthardhe.net. Uh, that will be where the uh, sticky post will be for uh, leaving suggestions about um, sort of the future of the podcast. Uh, you can also find uh, uh, leave comments on www.audioentropy.com, um, as well as uh, tweet me at Stills the GM, or tweet me at Deathslinky, or put something on the website and try not to use anything past PG thirteen, please. <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, so uh, Ben? Dustin? Three, two, one. Kittabush. Yeah, belated happy Independence Day to all, and to all, <laughs> Bye bye Hopefully your dogs are all okay. Yeah. <laughs>